The High Red Marketer podcast is sponsored by the Zemi app, enabling colleges and universities to engage interested students before they even apply. You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, a podcast geared towards marketing professionals in higher education. This show will tackle all sorts of questions related to student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. Myself, Troy Singer from Think Patented, each week partners with Bart Kaler of Kaler Solutions to bring you conversations with higher ed marketers that we feel the entire higher ed marketer community can benefit from. Today, we talked to Ben Conlinton from Olark about live chat solutions for higher ed marketing and how it can work for your college. Yeah, Ben does a great job of kind of explaining the benefits of of live chat. I think we all have experience with customer service and and doing different things online and leveraging live chat solutions, whether you're doing an order with Land's End or, or you know, any other e-commerce platform. We're pretty familiar with that, but live chat isn't something that a lot of schools have implemented yet. Um, a lot of, I think, misconceptions about it um, are out there. And so Ben does a good job of kind of uh, deconstructing some of that, helping us to understand a little bit about what the what the commonalities between those solutions are, as well as just to kind of demystify a little bit the difference between, you know, live human chat versus what, what what's being known as chat bots. And so I think uh, this is a great episode for anyone who's looking at ways to better service their their audiences, uh, whether it's enrollment, whether it's development, whether it's, you know, internal students. There's a lot of really good uh, conversation around that today. Here's our conversation with Ben from Olark. It's our pleasure to welcome Ben Congleton to the Higher Ed Marketer podcast. He is the CEO of Olark, which is a live chat solution for higher ed marketers. And before we get into the advantages and some of the best use cases for live chat solutions, would love for you, Ben, to introduce yourself and how did you come up with this wonderful solution for higher ed? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, I'm Ben Congleton. I'm CEO and co-founder of Olark. I've been sort of building software and this, uh, as an entrepreneur for about 13 years. Um, I started Olark uh, basically leaving a PhD program at the University of Michigan. So I have uh, uh, I don't know. I have a deep, deep higher ed roots. So it's exciting to exciting to be here. My dad's a professor. My sister's a professor, my brother-in-law is a professor. So like a higher ed is a place that I feel very comfortable in. And so I guess your your question was sort of like, how do we how do we get this thing moving? How do we get this started? Yeah, maybe your beginnings. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So uh, the beginnings, the early, early beginnings is, you know, I actually, you know, used to run used to run a web hosting company, like in the in the in the early in the mid-90s. And back then the best way to communicate with the customers on our website was via chat. And in the mid nineties, you know, a company kind of bought our, our live chat provider and then sort of shut down the SMB product and moved it into a fortune 500 product. And we searched around and searched and searched and searched, and we could not find anything that really worked for sort of our small teams. Uh, you know, that wasn't designed for like fortune 500 call centers. Fast forward 2009, you know, I'm working on this uh, PhD I'm sitting. I'm sitting in a in a PhD seminar class, 
uh, reading uh, reading an article by uh, Shosama Zubrov. I remember this about disintermediation, and you're th- and thinking like, you know what? Like, if everyone's going to start selling and you know moving all commerce to the web, how are we going to going to communicate? And uh, and I looked back at my time in in 2000, you know, in the early in the mid 90s, and you know thought like, okay, like you know, chat worked pretty well for us, but it seemed to just go Fortune Fortune 500 went to like AT and T and Comcast. Like, what happened to everyone else? And, and I looked around, and there wasn't really a solution out there, like for non giant call centers. And uh, you know, a, I learned a lot. You know, I had a computer science degree, had a business degree, I was working on this PhD. And was like, you know, I, I think we could maybe build the thing that like we needed ten years ago, and, and we started building it. Uh, some of our earliest customers were university libraries and university professors. It wasn't maybe necessarily the best use case, but it, we started off there, and then started seeing a lot of e-commerce businesses use us, governments, and uh, software companies, and the company kind of exploded and grew from there. Isn't that fascinating that, you know, you and I talked, you know, in the pre-interview a little bit about the idea that I remember back in the 90s, you know, we were using ICQ. I think it was some kind of little, you know, messaging software. And, and that was kind of, you know, people were using AOL and all kinds of things at that time. And it's it's funny how, um, you know, it kind of went away for a while. And as you said, kind of went big corporate. And now it's it's coming back. And it's funny that, you know, my son, who, you know, he's, he's 22 now. He wasn't born until 1999, 2000. You know, I think that messaging is kind of their natural natural way of going about things. And so I think it's fascinating that it's kind of come full circle. But now, um, especially post-pandemic, I mean, talk a little bit about that. I mean, I'm sure a lot of things have happened during the pandemic that kind of you know, required even more of this type of need. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty fascinating, right? Like, uh, I think a lot of us kind of grew up, my generation grew up, like, SMS, texting friends, et cetera. Now you have Facebook Messenger. Uh, you know, now you have people using Instagram messaging on the side, you know, TikTok, te- like short, rapid text communication, right? Like is, is happening constantly, happening everywhere. And uh, what's interesting to me is, you know, we've worked with higher ed for many years, but, you know, around the beginning of the pandemic, we started to see like a lot more demand for this kind of solution. I think a lot of it was that there was a lot of systems that were built for in-person communication uh, that just broke down when everyone was was remote, um, and so we see saw you know quite a few universities reaching out to us, probably you know early two thousand, et cetera. And some of our existing customers were saying like, "Hey, how how else can you help us? <laughs> like you know we've been working with you guys for uh, for a while." And and through that process, you know, I looked at the space a lot more. I started you know talking more deeply to our higher ed customers and understanding you know some of the challenges that they were facing, and. Uh, I don't know. I got excited because you know I, I I now could go kind of bring those Thanksgiving dinner time <laughs> conversations back to you know what I get to do every day, and so we saw people uh, like okay like you know we aren't doing campus tours anymore. Like how do we uh, how do we engage with with students who are browsing our websites is maybe their first interaction with us as a school or. Like, okay, we have some admitted students, but they're not on campus right now. For example, um, you know, University of Oregon started off using us uh, in both admissions and housing. And uh, what they learned is basically when someone gets their, their housing set up, they're, they're going to show up. Like the right. summer melt is, is like not a factor once they you know, have a place to stay. And so they started putting RAs and some of their housing groups uh, on chat. And so it's, it's been interesting to kind of watch, you know, this sort of, customer service focus that we saw happen in, in e-commerce and in service businesses 
move into universities when most of the interaction is happening via the website. Like the, basically your, your enrollment yield funnel has a huge piece of it that is people interacting with a website, not picking up the phone. And that's been kind of an exciting problem to work on because I've been working on that problem in, in B2B for a long time. And now it's kind of come full circle. It's, it's pretty exciting. It's, it is really exciting. And I, I think it's interesting. We, we've, uh, you know, we've got a, a guest coming up in a couple of weeks um, with Stephanie Geyer from, she used to be at RNL, And so she was uh, kind of the author of, of e-expectations report. And their most recent one last year was saying that, you know, the website is the number one place that students go to find out information about starting a college. And it's the number one place that people go to decide on the content is what that drives them and make their decision even beyond, you know, the counselors and everybody else. And so I think it's so important to realize what tools can we put on that website where everybody's already going to make that as frictionless as possible. And I love the idea that chat is one of those tools because we're so used to it. I mean, we go to any other, uh, you know, e-commerce platform and it's like, oh, I've got a problem. I'm going to click on the chat and I'm going to type and talk to somebody and get it solved because I don't want to, I don't want to hang out on hold for three hours and I don't want to, um, you know, not get my problem solved. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to email somebody and, and wait three days. I just want to get it taken care of. And, and I love the fact that human chat can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And Gen Z is not going to pick up the phone when they have a question, like, you know, browsing your website. They're not going to, they're not going to post a message in your Facebook group. Right. And they're unlikely going to send you an email. So I think like the point is you need to be there where, where the person is, yeah. you know, whether they're on a mobile device or whether they're, you know, sitting in front of their computer or on a tablet, you need, you need, to, you need to be there so you're not interrupting flow so that you can just sort of help people move through right. move through that journey. I think you're exactly right on that. With that, there are a couple of different chat solutions out there. Your platform is a live chat solution, but there are also what people commonly refer to as bots. And I'm sure there are advantages and disadvantages to them both. But if you can kind of help us think through that and point some of those out and go into this discussion for others that are maybe contemplating making a decision of a chat solution in the near future? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a really good question. And I think there's a big trend, right, uh, of seeing seeing chat bots, like kind of, a, a, I, w- I would call it basically just adding automation to some sort of workflow. Uh, we saw this happen in kind of calling up Comcast or AT&T many years ago when you got these deep phone trees and had a lot of questions you're starting to see more of this happen on on websites. And the the reason this happens is because in general, salespeople are very good at selling a solution that's like, hey, uh, AI will answer all your questions. You don't have to staff this. You don't need people anymore. And it's a lot easier for someone to say, yes, give me that thing. I don't need to spend money on people. I don't need staff. I don't need to staff it. Than it is to say, okay, let me figure out the system that's going to provide incredible service to the people that that are that I'm trying to serve. So if you're like, you know, a small liberal arts college and you're thinking like, okay, like I can just put this little bot thing on here and it'll answer everyone's questions, that seems a lot easier than figuring out, you know, how you work with marketing, how you work with your admissions team, how you work with other parts of your school to actually provide incredible uh, service and answer questions that the students might have. So so like the the story is compelling <laughs> about why people might choose that. The challenge, I think, with bot only or pure bot is that most of the reason, most of the time that people reach out and want to communicate with someone at an institution, it's when they have an exceptional case. And it's when like they are trying to get something deeper than a question that they could ask Google or a question that they could ask Siri. And you could think about Siri as kind of like some of the best AI out there or Alexa 
or uh, you know these these virtual assistants, and imagine how much money like Amazon and Google and Microsoft are spending developing these personal assistants, and think about all their shortcomings. Um, so I, I think you know bots bots are useful, um, and we do some of that that natural language processing, you know, bot automation stuff. But my my story has always been as a school you're basically trying to create belonging and you're trying to stand out from everyone else that is in that, in that playing field. So you're not trying to commoditize the interaction with your institution via your website. What you're trying to do is automate away some of the really simple things, maybe some of the simple Google query style questions, and then get over to someone who can deal with the nuance and really uh, express to that student or the prospective student what what makes you guys different? Like, you know, how you're able to, you know, help someone move through a complicated financial aid process or how you're able to, you know, answer a couple of questions, you know, in that application process that reassure them that, you know, you're going to be there for them once they show up at the institution and you're not just handing them a bot that refers them to a phone tree or an email <laughs> address, which I've seen done so many times. And yeah. It's just disappointing. <laughs> it, it really is, and I, I find myself. Um, I you know I've I love Amazon. I've been a, a an Amazon. You know they they now tell you Amazon. You know customer since for me it was like 1995, 1996, and uh, I, I really like it. But the thing that frustrates everything about it is that when I have a question about something and I go to their customer support, it, it does do the automated bot. And half the time, I've already done all the research to figure out what I need. I'm going to the bot. I'm going to the chat because I, I can't find it on my own. I mean, most people, I think, are pretty self-sufficient. And I think the challenge in customer service, whether it's Amazon or whether it's anybody else, is is making it so that the customer feels good about their experience with you at the end of the day. And right now, I never have felt good about the experience that I've had with Amazon because it, I, I, it just goes in circles. And you know, finally, you might get someplace where you get down to somewhere that you actually get a human on there, but it takes forever. And I know that they do that because call centers cost money. They charge based on the minute, based on the engagement. And so I understand that. But from a college standpoint, like you said, from a liberal arts, small, medium-sized school, we can't afford to do that. I mean, we've got to be, we've got to be living our brand out all the way down to the way that we do chat. And if we are selling, you know, if we see on the page, hey, we're all about community. You're not a number here. All this, but yeah, click on this chat bot, and we're going to make you a number. Um, we're we're kind of against the brand on that. And so I, I love the idea that you guys are leveraging AI when it makes sense, but it's not replacing that human relationship. And I think that's one of the dangers. And I'm I'm guessing you do too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, I think, you know, when you think about, you know, Olark's philosophy and how we sort of approached bots, for example, like we've always, you know, we've been 13 years in, in the live chat industry and the live chat business. So we built, you know, a very robust, uh, you know, a very robust solution to help that, you know, route to the right person. So for example, we've done work with Slate recently, and that's been pretty exciting where, where we can route to the admissions counselor assigned to the person, uh, the student, when they come out and ask a question, or you know, really, really thinking about like that that you know complete experience of like you know knowing other communication that someone has with the student when they come in, right. to come into chat. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of options to sort of think about this holistic experience uh, for for the student that really is trying to trying to create that that belonging and. You know, AI and automation is a piece of that, but it's not, it's not the full solution. 
Yeah. I'd call it maybe 20% of the solution. Yeah. Well, and, and I like what you're saying there because I mean, let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the features and accessibility that go into, into chat solutions. And I think that, you know, I, I full transparency, I've, I've partnered with Olark and a couple of clients and, um, and have helped them implement a, a live chat solution and, and been very pleased with that. And I know that I was part of a beta test group on, um, on your mobile app, I think, uh, yeah. uh, you know, 18 months ago or so. And so just help people understand, because I think sometimes there's misconceptions that, well, if we have a chat, somebody's got to be tied to their desktop, you know, 24 yeah. seven, let's talk through that a little bit. What, what does that look like for, for an admissions team? Yeah. So I think what you're talking about, like in particular is maybe staffing. And I think staffing is ultimately like one of the one of the biggest objections, like how am I actually going to going to staff this? And I think there's a couple of things to keep in mind. Like many, many places are already picking up the phone when mm -hmm. people call. They don't get very many phone calls, but there is people whose job it is to to answer the phone when the phone rings. And you can think of chat as sort of in a similar way. Like uh, if you have staff or even a, you know, like a small call center of any form, chat is a good option there because you can imagine that now rather than just doing like one phone call with one person, you can chat with maybe two or three people at the same time and be fairly responsive. Generally speaking, uh, we see a lot of um, like work study students used uh, here kind of um, and admissions counselors, RAs, sort of more kind of uh, student employees, I think are very common uh, to sort of work on that medium. It gives you flexible hours. It lets you kind of design around people's schedules in a way that like some of the other, uh, you know, on-campus jobs also do, but maybe not as much into the evenings. But additionally, like when, when someone's not there, you don't need to staff it 24 seven. You don't staff much of anything 24 seven at a, at a university. Right. And, it, and there's no reason you need to staff chat. I mean, you can hide it when you're not there. You can make it an email contact form. Uh, there's many options and, and that's, pretty industry standard, right. very, very, very few places that are not enormously large or staffing things 24 seven. Let's talk a little bit about that idea of using students because sometimes, and, and I'm just kind of reflecting back to you things I've heard about it when I've talked about live chat. It's like, well, mm. students really don't know the answers to those questions, but I think your tools and, and, and a lot of tools, you can actually pre kind of pre-configure some, some typical answers to the typical questions so that there's at least a, something to get started on. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Well, I, th I think, yeah, you can obviously have shortcuts and hints and things like that, but I also, uh, you know, I, I think thinking about it in two ways, right? One, there are some basic questions where you're just building trust, right? These are basic questions where like a human is going to be better at engaging and, and having that back and forth dialogue than, you know, a, a bot. And then there's also the opportunity to sort of transfer between departments. So for example, if you are, you know, having a conversation with admissions, in many cases, admissions does not understand all the intricacies of financial aid, even like, you know, the, right. the employees in the admissions team, the counselors right. like that are, that are trained and do this stuff every, every, you know, enrollment period. So, so the ability to kind of transfer over to an expert in another department, I think is a, is a key, is a key feature to kind of help continue the conversation and get questions answered. Um, and you can imagine that happening within, you know, moving from, you know, admissions to housing or moving from, uh, you know, kind of across, across the organization. Yeah. And, and I, speaking of that, that's been another one of the concerns that have been brought up to me is the fact that, you know, I might be talking to the admissions team about how important it is to have chat from an enrollment standpoint. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a big believer. If you know anything about me, you'll hear me talking about everything in your marketing needs to be from an enrollment focus first. 
And so the, the website needs to be enrollment focused and all that. So I would even say chat needs to be enrollment focused yeah. as much as possible first. But then I always hear people say, well, okay, we'll do that. But as soon as I put, you know, the chat on the home page for enrollment, I'm going to get six people asking me about their, reg about their transcripts. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And, and so tell me, I mean, obviously you've got bigger schools like university of Oregon. How are they handling that type of thing? Yeah, I would say generally speaking, small schools might put on their homepage and kind of look at it as sort of like, you know, so oftentimes you'll staff out of registrar's office, uh, like University of Montana, for example, not, not a small school, but they started off using OLAC primarily in their registrar's office and their, uh, you know, dean of students had, you know, a lot of good things to say about, you know, just using it as a way of like getting things done a lot quicker than, than the in-person uh, visits. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, because the chat can be targeted, right? You can you can deploy it in a particular piece of your you know enrollment funnel that you're trying to optimize, and I and that's that's the way I always like talk to most schools that have have traffic is like think about what your goal is, right? Are you trying to uh, increase your inquiries? Well, let's look at kind of the pages on your on your website that sort of lead towards that inquiry funnel, and let's like maybe make it a little easier to get that first touch point, kind of help you guys stand out a little bit. You have uh, an online campus tour option. Like for example, we recently partnered with StudentBridge, uh, you know, online campus tour provider to, you know, make sure that they could, you know, answer questions in real time via that, uh, that platform that they've built. So I think thinking about your funnel, thinking about the pages in that funnel where you're trying to move someone through it. So, you know, inquiries, High high intent pages on the website that that lead towards inquiries, application uh, completion. Uh, you know, obviously you can you can embed it inside of the Slate application experience if they're use, if they're not using Common App. Right. You can also imagine like okay, like post submit. Okay, what are the sort of resources and website materials that people are navigating post submit? Let's let's embed chat there. Let's uh, you know, try to understand the questions people are asking and, and move people through that piece of the funnel. And, and you can kind of even look at that on the student success side. For example, we had a, a UVA using us for their career center for just like career advising, because it was a way of like simplifying the ability for people to ask quick questions, get resume reviews and sort of do that type of right. activity. So you can kind of think about chat as like, Yes, like we we all communicate, we all talk, you know. Mm -hmm. But but I think you can think about it uh, in a more strategic way of saying like, okay, like let's look at the student, the entire student journey from perspective to alumni, and let's look at the pieces inside that journey where we could we we might want to like gain some information, like we might want to understand what's going on at that stage, or a place where we're trying to move a number, like trying to accomplish something, and let's deploy chat there, run some pilots, run some tests. And, and learn something. And I think that's, you know, that, that's generally where I like people to start is just like with a goal and where they're trying to learn something. You can deploy it everywhere and you will learn something as well. Right, right. That's a great point. And I, I love the fact that one of the things that I learned about OLARC is that I can, I can kind of turn it on and off on different parts of the website or have multiple accounts on different parts so that there's, you know, there's some consistency with that. And so I, I, I think that's a, I think that's a great solution. I also know that your platform has provided accessibility solutions customized for some of your colleges that you work with. One that comes to mind is Gallaudet University. Could yeah. you explain that and how that might affect how you move forward with solutions for other institutions? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I appreciate you bringing that, that up, Troy. Uh, so uh, one thing you should know about Olark is, you know, while we are, you know, in this B two B space for a long time, you know, as a as a company, we're we're incorporated as a public benefit corporation around accessible technology, and this is sort of a, an area of passion for us, and this area why we really like working with universities because universities are some of our customers who care the most about accessibility, both from like uh, the rational sense that they want everyone to have access to their university to like kind of the more like cultural like benefit of like DEI and wanting to to you know expand their enrollment base. So you know that that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about higher ed. But to get uh, more more specific, you know, when I think about design and building building solutions, I think it's good to understand all of your all of your constraints. And and one of our customers is Gallaudet University. And Gallaudet University has a lot of students who come in who their primary language is American Sign Language. And so even though, uh, you know, you can type back and forth using chat if you're hearing impaired, you still like might have a better time expressing yourself using a different medium. And so one of the projects we're doing with them is, you know, really thinking about chat as a, as a medium that sort of lets you escalate to, to video conversations. Uh, so we're working with them to let you leave messages uh, in, in American Sign Language to sort of escalate chats into real-time video conversations as well. And so I think, you know, these are the kind of kind of benefits you get when you kind of try to bring everyone under the same tent is it helps you uh, build solutions for everyone, right? Because that, that kind of solution benefits, you know, regardless of your ability, regardless of what university we're working with, like these are solutions we can bring to them, to them as well, like asynchronous video messaging, uh, escalation to video call, uh, but I think that if you look at through the lens of trying to bring more people into the tent and uh, working with, you know, assistive technology offices, working with, you know, kind of the, the assistive technology community, there's there's a lot of room to not tack on accessibility and, and, and build it in and just make it part of the core of, of, of how you how you solve problems. And that's one thing that's been super fun working at Olark and then more exciting for us and working with more higher ed institutions recently. That's great. Are there any other similar solutions that you've provided for other schools? So from an accessibility standpoint, I think generally speaking, we build like a, uh, you know, the, the, the customer facing chat experience, the experience that you see on every website. That's something that's been you know, heavily worked with, with accessibility offices from uh, Berkeley, Harvard, and, you know, a variety of others. Um, you know, some of our corporate customers care a lot about uh, that, that as well. And so I uh, we just got back from uh, the assistive technology conference in Anaheim called CSUN, the California State Northridge. And it was pretty exciting to see, you know, talks up there about accessible conversational UI and like little, little, uh, and little OLARC logos up there on into its talk about how to build this. And, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, uh, it's an area that's been quite fun uh, for us. It's really something that I think, you know, gets, gets everyone on the team like pretty pretty excited working working in that space. I've seen it like you know it's funny because and, and it's a little bit sad because if you kind of walk around like CSUN is this big it's kind of like the biggest assistive technology conference. You sort of and we had a ex exhibition booth there and if, if people that kind of walk around there's all these people that do accessibility auditing. Like that's uh, there's a lot of auditors there. And it, you know, when people stop by your booth, and they're like, "Yeah, you're like your guys, your guys' stuff is pretty good. Like we get flagged all the time." But the funny thing is, everyone says they're accessible. So it's 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 like the sad state of affairs where, like, because you're selling in the higher ed or selling in government, 
like everyone's like, oh yeah, like we're accessible. We have all the certifications. Right. But I think that in general, once you you dive deeper into that, like a lot of people are approaching accessibility as a sort of a check the box functionality and not like uh, let's actually build something that's incredibly usable for a lot of people. And I don't know, it's, it's uh, I think there's a big opportunity out there for technologists and universities to, to embrace that a little bit more and, and, and make it easier for people to get in there not just make it like kind of like a, oh, we don't want to get sued kind of standpoint, right. but more of a like, let's, let's figure out how to actually make this thing easier for everyone. Cause I, I think that, you know, like a curb cut, right? Like on a sidewalk. Yeah. It's great for someone in a wheelchair, but you know, if you're pushing a stroller or you're biking around with your kids, like, you know, these types of enhancements benefit everyone and they're not just like something, you know, there's a risk assessment problem. We talk a lot about it on the show. Schools are really struggling today to make the same ad spend work. CPMs are up 89% year over year on Facebook and Instagram. Our college clients are no longer looking for rented audiences. They're looking for an own community where they can engage students even before they apply. This is why Zemi has become so crucial for our clients. With over 1 million students, close to 10,000 five-star ratings, consistently ranked as one of the top social apps, and recently, one of Apple's hot apps of the week, there simply isn't anything out there like it, and we have seen it all. Zemi not only provides the best space for student engagement, but the most unique and actionable data for their 160 college and university partners. We know firsthand from our clients that Zemi is a must-have strategy for Gen Z. Check them out now at colleges.zemi.com. That's colleges.zeemee.com. And yes, tell them Bart and Troy sent you. We close each episode by asking our guests, related to their industry and the solutions that they provide, would there be a quick tip or a piece of advice that they could give our marketing audience that they could implement soon after listening uh, or immediately? Do you have any secrets that you've been holding back that you can share? (laughs) That's a, that's a great question. So I, I would say, uh, you know, with Olark live chat or any, any solution like that, it does not take that long to deploy and start learning. Like it's, it's as simple as adding like a little piece of code to your website. Like we, we put together a checklist for, uh, enrollment folks. Uh, you can get it olark.com slash ED checklist or EDU checklist. And That'll kind of go through some of the things I talked about, like helping define goals and figure out staffing and, you know, some sort of walking those, those problems through. And, and I think that it's often, often adding something to the website feels a little bit daunting. Often sort of experimenting within your customer journey feels a little bit daunting. And especially inside these big institutions with so many different, you know, people that control different little pieces of, of, of that funnel. I think that one way of thinking about just doing business on the internet and connecting with Gen Z is that like, you got to be there. You got to be like where, where people are right during that process. So if you're, you know, sitting in your office, your on-campus office, right. Waiting for the phone to ring or, you know, you know, obviously admission counselors are doing all these events all the time, but when people are in that application process and that consideration phase, they're on their phones, they're looking at websites, they are at their home filling out applications. And I think 
you know, if you want to learn what that experience is like from their perspective, like the easiest thing to do is make it very easy to get in touch and, and, and start like experimenting. And I think that I would recommend that you know, anyone that listens to this, you know, whether you're using us or some other provider, like the ability to communicate with someone as they're moving through a process that you've designed and they're trying to optimize is incredibly valuable, especially when they're in the moment of doing that process. Not like a, hey, let me send you a text message to try to move you through the process, but like they're literally on your site evaluating your university and trying to figure out this is the place that they want to go to. Like if you can be there and build that relationship and create that sense of belonging and show them why you're a little bit different than some of the other institutions that also have web pages and build like a little bit of a connection, uh, it can be incredibly valuable to that one individual, but also incredibly valuable to your insight into what's happening in that process. So that, that would be my, my main takeaway is, is it's, it's not that hard to run a little test and start learning. Thank you, Ben. Love that response. For our listeners who would like to reach out and contact you, may have questions, what would be the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, uh, well, I'm super easy to get in touch with. You can email me, ben at olark.com. Probably if you want to ensure, like I get, I get a lot of email. If you want to ensure that like I, I'm, I'm on it and I get back to you, if you just went to olark.com and chatted with someone on our team, like I just said, hey, like, you know, I, I heard this podcast. I want to, uh, you know, chat with them more. Like uh, those guys have a really good control over my calendar and I listen to everything our customer service and our customer facing teams uh, flag. Uh, you can also ping me on LinkedIn. I'm very responsive on LinkedIn. Email is probably the place where I get, you know, it may not be the best way, <laughs> but, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best to find it. Fair enough. Very good. Thank you, Ben. I've loved this conversation, and I think live chat is very valuable for the higher ed community at this time. Bart, any last parting words and, or thoughts from you? Yeah, I just wanted to kind of, I always like to take and tease out a little bit of some things that I heard that I just think are really kind of, it's like taking a highlighter to it or, or just underlining something that we've talked about. And so a couple of things, especially just this last comment that Ben made about the idea of, um, you know, being willing to try some things out, trying to learn something. I'm reminded of a quote by Alvin Toffler that says the, the litter of the 21st century will not be those who cannot uh, read, but they will be those who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn again. And I think that's so true when we talk about technology, when we talk about all kinds of things is that it's very dynamic. It's very fluid. A lot of things are changing. And I think that being successful means that you've got to be willing to kind of get out there and, and, uh, and, and, and take advantage of things when they're going on. Uh, too many times, especially in higher education, we do things because we've always done it that way. And uh, we can't do that with Generation Z. We can't do that with millennials in the way that we market to them. And so I think that you know, part of what Ben talked about is so critical in there. And I also really liked what he said about you know, be where they are. Um, you know, we've talked to so many other people on this podcast, whether it's um, Adam Metcalf at, at Zemi, you know, with the idea of being able to, you know, have conversations with students having peer to peer conversations on their app. Um, you're, you're basically putting your school where they are. They're in social media app in that, in that particular thing. You know, we've also talked with, uh, with Ethan uh, Butte at, at BombBomb, you know, the idea of having video email. And, and you think about the different ways that we, it all comes down to relationship is what I'm trying to point out is whether you're using, you know, Unibuddy, Zemi, 
Olark, BombBomb. It comes down to relationship and being able to do relationship where people are. And I think that we all know that face-to-face is probably the most effective relationship. And then it gets to, you know, video conferencing is, is kind of a second place area. But then you start getting down into, you know, chat is going to be much more personable than, a, a live chat's going to be more personable than the email. And video email is more personal than email. Email is kind of the default now, but I think there's a lot of other ways that we can really get more relationship and a lot more uh, trust building with some of these other tools and these other technologies. And so don't don't take them for granted to just say, oh, we don't need that. It's another tool in your arsenal that I think you really need to look at. And I really appreciate Ben being on the show today to talk a little bit about that. Thank you both for those wonderful parting shots. The Higher Ed Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency. And by Think Patented, a marketing execution company combining printing and mailing for higher ed outreach solutions. On behalf of my co-host, Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.